but I don't I really don't have any regrets I really don't I've I've lived exactly how I've wanted to I've tried my hardest every single time I didn't win the matches that maybe I should have always won or but I really gave it my all so that for me is enough Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Body Serve. I'm Jonathan. I'm James. Episode three twenty eight. Episode two of our tenth season. Back uh, about five days later. The Australian Open starts on a Sunday this year, and if you're in the United States, that's basically on Saturday. Yeah, we thought we had more time to get this episode <laughs> out. It's kind of ruined my last two days. I would say, <laughs> having realized that way too late having to shift our own work schedules, etc., blah, blah, blah. Here we are. We are 80% funded for our 10th season. Thank you to everybody who's contributed, especially since the last episode. We're in, like, rev-up mode now to try and get to that finish line <laughs> before the end of the Australian Open. Again, if you've donated $100 or more, you'll be getting a postcard and some new bookmarks from us. So please send us your address. And if your address has not changed, if you could just send us a quick note and tell us that. If you've uh, given $500 or more, you're entitled to submit an idea for one of our more long-form episodes and collaborate on a bit of research and planning the episode together, which will be fun. I mean, you can be as involved... I, well, I, don't, I shouldn't say as involved as you want to. <laughs> you can be as... L least involved. Is that the way to say it? You can be involved as little you as can, you like, want. send an idea, and if you don't want to be part of the actual right. like, process, that's fine, too. Because you made it seem like they had to be put to work. Oh, no. If they did that. Oh, I mean, no. You <laughs> definitely don't have to if you don't want to. Okay. I think right now we have four donors at that level and one definite episode idea. Yes. You can find a link to the GoFundMe uh, appended to this episode. Uh, I'll attach it to the tweet. It's on linktree.com slash thebodyserve on all of our socials, which is at thebodyserve on Twitter, Instagram, and others. Let's get into it. I want to get the bad news out of the way first. Okay. There's a lot of bad news. Well, the worst news is that that guy, Alexander Zverev, following... The news that he would be featured in an episode of Breakpoint in Season 2. Have not seen it yet. Now he has just been voted into the ATP Players Council by his peers. I don't know if y'all have been like me in the last week or so, but I cannot go anywhere tennis-related, virtually, on television, on Twitter, without seeing one of that guy or the other guy, Kyrgios. The two mm -hmm. of them... The tennis powers, be it media, be it the slams, be it the agents, be it Naomi Osaka, everybody has decided that these two people need to be shoved down our throats. The players knowing now, if you don't know about the charges against him, you must be living under a rock. I don't... I'm not going to give that grace anymore, the possibility that a player doesn't know it. The reality at this point is that they simply do not care. And at this point, we will never truly know the bottom of the barrel. Because 
it, it he becomes even more embedded in the sport and it just gets worse and worse when you think it can't get any worse it gets even worse they i mean they are trying very hard to find the bottom of the barrel they are digging he now holds a position of authority within tennis and it's sanctioned by his peers and trust it's by design indeed his appearance on breakpoint trust is by design do you remember how much we laughed and even jeered at him when he was in that press conference a year or two ago and he was asked about the filming of Breakpoint and mm-hmm. if he'd been a part of it or whatever. And he nonchalantly said, oh, no, it hasn't started yet. Meanwhile, the cameras were already on court following Fritz et al., mm-hmm. you know, and he looked, he sat there with egg on his face and it was so delicious. Well, this is the payback to us. Oh, and indeed. as you know, it, it is payola, not just payback, <laughs> <It's> not... <laughs> but payola. Okay, Yannick Schneider, who is a German journalist, made this thread the other day uh, where he he straight out said that it's pay for play, that agents have worked very hard and paid money. These are his words, not mine. Paid money to get their players onto Breakpoint. And, you know, Breakpoint is not journalism, whatever. We know that going in. So I guess if you want to pay to play... Uh, watch the series with that understanding, that it is public relations. That's all it is. If you are an agent of a player, what better vehicle? In fact, is there even another vehicle better than this to get your player into the homes of millions upon millions of people around the world? Even people who never watched tennis before. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, nothing, there's nothing like it out there. And so you roll the dice, you toss this this storyline, you come up with your housewife's tag to get your player on Netflix, <laughs> and the possible revenue streams that could open up, I get it, I get it. I get why this oh, would happen. Course. But in this specific case with that guy, this is pay-for-play PR payola to rehab the image, to make him even more immune, impregnable against these allegations it's all about narrative right so now you have to build a different narrative people don't associate you with abuse now they associate you with oh that episode of breakpoint that i watched where this mean russian guy was just trying to destroy you and now i don't want to say too much about what is purportedly in the show because i have not seen it and i have no intention of giving it a lot of attention or play to be clear (laughs) we don't know if there was any Payola involved. These are Schneider's words. Uh, He's a journalist who's followed Zverev quite extensively in his career. Now, in this thread, he also said that uh, we shouldn't be mad at Zverev or the agents or Netflix that I guess it's the ATP's fault. Which, believe me, I, I take every opportunity to slam the ATP, but I'm not seeing it in this in this case. He also said he's innocent until proven guilty, and that is the most tortured legal concept we have ever heard in popular culture, because now innocent until proven guilty is being made to mean you are required to cast me in a Netflix show until proven guilty. You're required to elect me to the Players Council until proven guilty. Like, guys, that's not what that means. Well, to be clear, this position, as tortured as you think it is, it's an improvement from this person. So, given the (laughs) years-long 
coverage anyway. of that guy that I've seen from this guy. Now, no doubt the the players' council election, his appearance in Breakpoint is is a very obvious way to launder his reputation. Well, that's a very good way of describing it. I've said before that nobody works harder than Zverev's legal team. Nobody works harder than his PR team as well. Now, can his legal team sue like a thousand users on Twitter, do you think? Well, that... Do you think they'll try this That's week? what they have to do if exactly. they want to make inroads into what Tennis Twitter rose up and did this week. Wow. Because let me tell you, we've been covering this issue for, what, almost three years? I'm exhausted. Yes. I'm tired. And it gave me great pleasure to see so many people doing so well on the internet with you, this with this You topic. guys did amazing sweeties. We just had to sit there and watch. That's all. I think we made one tweet about the thing the, the entire time. Mm-hmm. Well, you did another one and then you deleted it. Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that was on my personal account. I deleted it. It was funny, though. I will give you that. But the ATP sent out a promotional tweet about Breakpoint and were inundated with questions about why did Netflix choose to hire this guy, an accused abuser, etc. And there has been an effort as well to sort of mess up the search engine optimization around Zverev's name. So if you Google Zverev abuse 10,000 times, will it change the search results, for example? So the ATP got cooked. They were roasted, destroyed. Not necessarily unlike other times in the past. They don't seem to care. Because some people or companies would delete tweets. Mm -hmm. They just keep coming back with the same thing over and over and over again. Now, Laver Cup would have blocked everybody. They said, send in your fan questions for the stars of Breakpoint Season 2. So, here the questions came from Lauren Vale, who is a, a dear supporter of the show. For all ATP players... Why did you elect a man twice accused of domestic violence to represent you on the Players' Council, and do you support the creation of a domestic violence policy for ATP athletes? I'd like to know. Fair questions. Also, is the creation of this domestic violence policy, which allegedly is in the works, right? There have mm-hmm. been they murmurs do, of that. They do have a director of safeguarding. Will that need the approval of the ATP Players' Council on which that guy now serves? I mean, you cannot make mm. this stuff up. You cannot make this stuff up. Dr. Scholes, when will you open an investigation regarding Zverev's second domestic abuse allegations? The ATP tour said, should something else come to light? Sharice asks, what do you propose to do about the increasing acts of domestic violence from the ATP athletes? Do you understand the message that you are sending to tennis fans and the world by ignoring the victim's claims? When it happens again will be to blame i mean it goes goes... there there are hundreds of replies like this the quote tweets are perhaps even worse well let's go and look at a couple of those the comments come on can the atp be this tone deaf yes indeed they can fabian says the netflix tennis show is not just poorly conceived and shoddily executed but it is actually sinister in how it propagates lies a period because from what we've heard about how this Zverev Medvedev thing was set up on this episode. Wild. When the source of their most recent, most public beef 
is directly related to these abuse allegations. Right. Like, wow. And for that not even to be a subject on the show. Why Netflix did Medvedev have to explicitly say, we are not friends? It's not because of your little vignettes in this episode. It's not. Mm. That's not it. Supervillain? The other bad news having to do with Nick Kyrgios. Everywhere. How many people are hiring him to cover the Australian Uh, Open? It seems like I've seen at least 10 different entities say, oh, we've hired Nick Kyrgios to commentate at the Australian Open. Yeah. He's clearly setting up his post-playing career. He's behaving like a retired athlete at this point. I I don't know. If he's coming back to the sport. It's giving John McEnroe is what it's right. giving. Him. Is this what we have to look forward to? Is this the next McEnroe? He sat- Except with um, far less success as a player. He sat down with Nick McCarville for something in Australia. Oh, it was to go over the draws. How the draws played out. And in talking about Sloane Stevens, did you see what he said? Yes, I did. I did see that. He literally described himself to AT as a mm. tennis player and then said, come on, Sloan. Like, I know that a slamless player, a masters-less player, cannot come at Queen Sloan Stevens, Queen the winner Bucket. of the 2017 US Open. Queen Buckethead. Anyway, Nick is better than Serena, remember? <laughs> That's what he said on his last podcast. Naomi has Nick under her umbrella mm-hmm. at her agency. They've announced his podcast called Good Trouble, which is being produced in partnership by Naomi's media company, Hanakuma. I'm not sure where to start. Okay, I'll, we'll start with the news. This podcast will apparently feature guests like Gordon Ramsay, Jamel Hill, Mike Tyson, Francis Tiafo. This is a big production, right? It was a, a huge rollout. This is a professional thing. Naomi's company, they know what they're doing. Like, Naomi knows what she's doing. There's been this very obvious move toward rebranding Nick Kyrgios recently, really over the past month or so, as sort of this, you know, this maverick figure, as this disruptor, as that's their words. Disruption, you know, this is like a decades-old tech startup cliche disruption. And because somebody ruffles feathers we must automatically assume that they're revolutionary or thoughtful or invested in in sort of overturning the unjust institutions of the past. And sometimes people are just loud. Or that their actions have intent. That right. it's not chaotic for being chaotic. The, I know you don't like to focus on the title of this show, Good Trouble, but for me, I well, cannot no, overlook. I cannot overlook the choice to call it "good trouble" and what that has meant in North American, as it pertains to John Lewis. Right. He made an entire career out of the phrase "good trouble." Congressman John Lewis, who was an activist from the '60s on, who was at Selma with Martin Luther King, who got beaten like everybody else on that Jailed. bridge. Good trouble meaning civil disobedience, meaning protests and direct actions for justice, mm-hmm. right? And so yet again, I see this as Nick Kyrgios co-opting Black American culture, for one. And as Robespierre on Twitter points out, it shows you what he seems to believe is his role in the tennis landscape. He sees himself as a disruptor of the establishment, 
but his disruptions haven't pushed the sport forward. They have no meaning. It's been trouble for trouble's sake, not trouble for a cause a la Lewis. Perfectly stated. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is at Brooke A. Byer at Twitter, if you want to check it out. It's B-E-Y-E-R. I When I saw this, a lot of people were mad about the good trouble tag because of John Lewis's kind of personal slogan. I I recognize that Nick and other people may not know that that's associated with John Lewis and that he doesn't own that phrase, of course. But I think it's safe to assume that somebody at the company knew that connotation, at least. It's by design. Yeah. The question that Robespierre brings up here is, what is Nick's good trouble? Like, what sort of important institutional changes or critiques of tennis has he brought forward that were not self-motivated and honestly even self-motivated criticisms can be important and can be change making but what change has nick Kyrgios made in tennis hmm. other than to call people potatoes again like caveat after caveat you can be mean and the revolutionary but he's not this is one of those instances where it is just to question somebody's credentials when they're positioning themselves in to this end. What have you done to position yourself as a disruptor other than being loud and chaotic? And here, Naomi Osaka has to cop some flack. She needs to shoulder some of this criticism because she has, I mean, she's put everything in with Nick. She will also be a guest on the podcast. And I'm sitting here wondering... If part of Naomi finding her own voice is giving voice and platform to an admitted abuser. Right. Naomi has been such a, an incredible influence across the world of sports in a number of ways. And it just confuses me why she'd want to use that cultural capital for this. And is it purely about actual capital? Is it just because this is a business and she's trying to make money? Uh, regardless, that's not an excuse. It, It's just, a, it's kind of uh, disappointing for me. And you'd think after all my years on this planet, I'd stop investing hopes into people I don't know. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> you, you know? also don't get to position yourself as a boss lady without having to feel the repercussions of making those boss decisions. Right. Did you see what I did there with... Part of Naomi finding her voice. I did. A nod to... It was a little bitchy, honestly. Well, I, But I liked it. It's a nod to Ben Rothenberg's newly published and released biography of Naomi Osaka. You, you are in the middle of reading it. I've started it. I'm enjoying it. It's been an incredibly busy week, so I haven't gotten very far. But uh, I'll, I'll be reading it throughout this Australian Open. We haven't gotten to the point of the firing of Sasha Bain in Ben's right. book. But that was made public through an an article that was released describing the book. Yes. And so we find out, I think we can say for sure now, why Naomi Osaka and Sasha Bain parted ways. Why she fired him back in the day. Because remember, this was a big thing. Back after she won the US Open and the Australian Open back to back, she fired Sasha Bain. And people are like, why would you, that's so stupid. Why would you fire this coach who brought you this much success? And it's always safe to assume there's something going on behind the scenes. We made quite a few 
conjectures at the time. <laughs> we just figured he was out here being messy, that he was well, running his mouth, he was that it had something to do with he not would, being trustworthy. Mm-hmm. He was talking to press. He was supposedly writing a book. Uh, all valid reasons to sort of have that trust erode between a player and a coach. And apparently what happened was that he was having a relationship with another WTA player, which on its face is not illicit, Mm -hmm. you know, as long as the person is of age, which which they uh, they barely were, is a pretty big caveat in WTA because some of those people are married to each other. Right. But, Um, but there were, the alleged player was barely of age at that time. And he was pushing 30. Yes. Um, but it seems what happened was that she asked him a few times and he lied. And that kills trust in a relationship. Well, apparently, he was also pushing this younger player as somebody that Naomi should be practicing with a lot. You know, why all of a sudden, this low-ranked player, why am I practicing with... The, why are you as my coach making me practice with this person all along so much? And then she confronts him finally and he lies. And then the next day he cops to it. And then she's like, you know what? I'm good, love. Mm. Yeah. One more bit of bad news, in my opinion, before <laughs> okay. you give a finishing sermon on the state of mm. the morality of tennis. <laughs> <laughs> Please, people, that was facetious. <laughs> Make sure you're seated and not distracted when James takes the pulpit in a little bit. I saw... The ATP tour tweet. I saw them go on Instagram. I saw them. F- I saw them flood their socials with this cutesy picture of Grigor and Andre mm-hmm. after they won titles on the same day. Because you know Grigor and Andre, they've had this bromance, this right. lovey-dovey thing where. Rublev behaves as if he's in love with Grigor, kisses him on the cheek, all that stuff. We've had all the images, all the videos. And, you know, it was it's lovely to watch. <laughs> Here comes the ATP to try and peddle these images on the day of these two triumphs. And they're trading in this kind of homosexual adjacent relationship. <laughs> no, not homos- homosocial, maybe. Okay. But my point is, It's so clearly gay-coded, if not the two men's actions, but the reception to it. Yes, it's for the girls, the gays, and the theys. Exactly. It's for us. And now you who have nothing to say, barely a peep, in fact, no peep (laughs) during Pride Month, ever. Your tennis counterpart, the WTA, does their thing. They legitimately celebrate or pander. You decide. But they do something. You've done nothing. And now here you come to be like, oh my god! Oh these my god, two. baby girl! <laughs> yes! Yes, queens! Please, stop. Yeah. I was disgusted by it. Alright. Alright. And now, welcome to the pulpit. Oh, the honestly, the reason we're going on and on and on about this stuff is because I had like this moment of frustration this week where... I was just very pissed off about tennis and I needed to say out loud that tennis, like any sport, just has this layer of sleaze associated with it. I think you said something like deep moral rot. uh, 
You know, so last year I said that the ATP was experiencing moral rot. And at the time, even I thought I was exaggerating. I really did. I was not exaggerating, clearly. Between this, you know, Zverev being elected to the Players' Council, the release of Breakpoint, Bill Ackman, who is funding the PTPA, he's a billionaire, uh, like private equity dude, hedge fund guy. Uh, he's made himself a celebrity recently fighting for the ouster of Claudine Gay from Harvard, uh, the president of Harvard, and being on this whole... I mean, this is like a conservative think tank uh, project to get these female presidents of Ivy League universities to resign and to embarrass them. And it's supposedly about plagiarism. Now his wife is being exposed for plagiarism in her PhD. It's just like this this pervasive layer of sleaziness in... And I think it's almost more jarring in a tennis that is so uh, dedicated to its gentility. Uh, and I've seen a certain American journalist tweet in support of this stuff. It was too much for me this week. Ooh. Well, there are only there's only like two American journalists, so why don't you put that together for yourself? Uh, tick, um, tick, 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 tick. Are you saying this journalist is on TikTok? No. <laughs> I'm being obtuse. I, think I, for I, the... <laughs> I clearly know where you're going with that. Anyway, uh, it, was, it was just kind of a depressing week to be a tennis fan. And uh, again, I don't know why I'm so naive and why I had optimism about the sports, but it was uh, <laughs> truly done and dusted this week. But on to the actual people playing tennis who are bringing pride to the sport. Well, most okay. of them. Okay, that was a... That was a pivot. Okay, but... Um, you know, I was trying... I told you this year I was trying to be more positive. So I think it was... It's so unnatural for me. overcompensating. It's so unnatural okay. for me that sometimes it's misguided. Australian Open qualifying. We mentioned on the last episode that Arena Rodianova had not been given a wild card, even though she's the number one ranked Australian woman. And then she said, well, you know what? Doesn't surprise me, but... I'm going to go to qualifying. I'm going to make it happen. If you believe in yourself, you're going to make it happen, as Mariah mm -hmm. said. Turns out, doesn't work for everybody that way. <sighs> she lost in the first round of qualifying. To Jean-Jean. And she said, quote, The only regrets I have from today is just that I gave Tennis Australia something to celebrate. I think they are very pleased with my result today, and that's what makes me upset. She goes on to say, there were just so many things behind the scenes that it is very clear to me that I'm not liked. It's clear to every single Australian tennis player. John Millman recently retired. Who well, also, after lost. Who also did not get a wild card. After losing in qualifying. He says, quote, you can't be Australia's top ranked player in female tennis and be overlooked. I'm a bit baffled and I won't be sitting on the fence with that. Because at this point, how? what other explanation is there? Millman has retired after losing in the qualifying rounds. He didn't get a wild card for his swan song here. Xie Su Wei was in qualifying for Australian Open singles. She lost and has ended her singles career, but is still playing doubles. Saying, quote, time to end this fantasy journey. She debuted in singles in 2001 winning three career singles titles with a peak of number 23. If you recall, she also made the quarterfinals in 2021 at the Australian Open 
after beating Andrescu and Vandurosheva. Career highlights, wins over Osaka, 2019 Miami, Wozniacki, Kleisters, Halep at Wimbledon, Venus, Sabalenka, Kerber, and Pliskova. She's undefeated against Garbina Muguruza. I think people love her doubles career so much, and she's reached such incredible heights in doubles that uh, let's not forget her singles career and how much Naomi Osaka despised playing this woman. (laughs) We watched her more often than not, but hated playing her. We watched them play on court. It was then court nine. Yes. Now Cincinnati court 10. Court 10. Naomi and she. Do you remember that? It was a struggle bus. And I was sitting right on Naomi's baseline to the point where I could see Shea's lob hit the line, (laughs) being like three or four feet away from it. Mm -hmm. And I saw Naomi react in real time, looking down at the line and then looking up and then saying in that moment, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) So lucky for us, Shea is still playing doubles. Other highlights from qualifying, uh, the 16-year-old Alina Corneva, who won the junior uh, Australian and Roland Garros girls titles last year. She wins her very first slam qualifying match, actually wins all three of her matches, and is now into her first main draw. Uh, Renata Sarazua from Mexico is the first Mexican woman in the Australian Open main draw in 24 years. And that woman, by the way, was Angelica Gabaldon in 2000. She actually made the Australian Open quarters twice in the 90s. Did you know that? I did not know that. That's why you're here. I just looked up the tweet because I know I tweeted about it. It happened Mm. on the 15th of August, 2019, the last time we were in Cincinnati. I tweeted, She scrambles to hit a moon ball that somehow lands in. Naomi watches it drop in, says, What the fuck? Before hitting it. She then turns to her camp and asks, did you see that? (laughs) (laughs) This past week, we have in Adelaide this cracking final between besties Dasha Kazatkina and Yelena Ostapenko. Dasha is into the final with two wins and two walkovers. Doesn't matter how you get there. Still counts. Watch Kazatkina win. And then Ostapenko go on to win the Australian Open. <laughs> Just like what happened in the spring of 2017 with that Charleston wow. final. The memory you have. And that was uh, maybe the source, one of the sources of that sort of weird relationship between the two. Because Penko was quite unkind in the uh, in the trophy presentation. That's water under the bridge at this point. Like, that's ancient history. These two could, I mean, with their powers combined. <laughs> Ostapenko took the hard way to this final, beating Kirstea, Garcia, Kostiuk, and Alexandrova, who knocked out Rybakina from this tournament. Why Rybakina was playing in Adelaide the week before the Australian Open, I don't know, but she was. Also in Adelaide, Yuji Lehechka and Jack Draper are in the final. Lehechka destroyed, as I would say, Peter Korda. That's how old I am. Uh, Sebastian Corda in the semifinals, one and two. And then Draper knocked out the number one seed and 2023 Australian Open semifinalist, Tommy Paul. I watched that match. That was hugely impressive. And they could 
play each other fairly early in the Australian Open. In the second round. Should they both win their first round matches, they'll play in the second round of the Australian Open. In preparation for this episode, I tweeted from the body serve asking, apart from predictions, which you all know we don't like to do, and we shan't, (laughs) what are some of the things you want from us on this Australian Open preview show? And at this point of the episode, we're going to maybe talk about some of the things that you asked that we haven't already covered on the show. Dennis TMD-C and Lee Tennis uh, gave us a little bit of pageant culture, which we're, we are really not familiar with. Uh, Dennis asked us to t- to give an El Tocuyo tennis list. Uh, I had no idea what that meant. So Lee chimed in and said, <laughs> these guys do not know what El Tocuyo means. Apparently, it's awarded to those people who got all the hype but failed to get a placement on finals night, also known as clappers, which is a devastating read. Mm. I don't know. I Typically, we don't do that because it feels kind of mean. Yeah. I'm sure it will come up uh, at some point over the next two weeks. Or in the next segment when we look at the draws. <laughs> so we'll, we'll file that in the memory bank for the next segment. More mess. Asked of Us by Tony, <laughs> wanting some TBS petty picks. Who's going to be looking a mess? Whose coach is going to be making a fuss? And whose fans are going to be the worst? Etc. Etc. Mm-hmm. Whose coach is going to make a fuss? Obviously, Rabakina's. Uh, that just go- comes with the territory. Whose fans are going to be the worst? Please, don't, just don't. Don't ask me that. I don't think you could ever. No, because... You can't. You have to keep that those cards close to your chest. Because I know... Which fandom it is right now. Sass's sister of SS asks, If the top four are likely to all meet in the semis, slam contenders playing the week before a slam, I think Ash did it successfully, and notable results from qualifications. Yeah, the the top four seeds are in great form, obviously, and uh, it's so tempting to pick the top four to make the semis, but it happens so rarely on the women's side. Mm -hmm. City Salamander says, excluding Penko, whose outfit will be the worst? I think we're at a point where we cannot take for granted that it will be Penko. Your Honor, I have to object to the question. Have you seen some of those Fila kits? That <laughs> I have not. There have been so many poor AI-generated fits where they show you what the fit is going to be, but the mannequin, that it, the AI mannequin that it's on, does nothing for the outfit. The Fila ones look terrible. (laughs) Okay. Arts Formula Fitness asks about renaming Margaret Court Arena. Will it ever happen? Why haven't uh, current and past players addressed the issue? A few past players have, John and and Martina. Um, Laura Robson sort of referenced it obliquely with her, it was her like rainbow armband member a few years ago. Or was it like hair ribbons? Oh yeah, that was it. Mm. Yes. I've said many times on the show that if Margaret Court Arena is ever renamed, it will be after she's dead. I don't, uh, you know, I don't see it happening anytime soon. This is from Leah Dog Crack. I'm sorry, I don't speak Irish. I'm so sorry. The Dasha Natalia vids and the fruitful friendship between the Dashas, as in Kazatkina and Savile. I have not seen that yet, but I'll take every opportunity to promote Dasha Kazatkina's YouTube page. And I think we've mostly, we've gotten to most of the other uh, suggestions. Thank you so much for submitting those. And now it's time to talk about the draws. 
I think it would be actually better if we do our breakout players now, because then there are a couple of them that I want to talk about in the draws. Okay. We weren't initially going to do this this year. I think you even made a decision while we're recording the last episode to be like, well, I think we're going to skip it this year. And then almost immediately somebody asked for it on Twitter. So I guess we're going to do it. As usual, we're going to do a breakout player who is currently ranked in the top 50, somebody that's ranked 51 to 100, and then somebody ranked 101 and above. And we'll do that for the ATP and the WTA. I'll let you go first. Top 50, I'm going to pick my guy, Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, again. Oh my Am I allowed God. to pick someone again? You are. Okay. And well, I just have. This is like the fifth season in a row. <laughs> what What are you going to do about it? What is he going to do about it? I guess we'll find out. Uh, for 51 to 100, I'm going to pick Jack Draper, who's currently in the final in somewhere. Mm. Adelaide? Adelaide. And then outside of the top 100, Rafael Nadal. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I'm going to pick Gabriel Diallo, the Canadian player. We have not conferred on this, and I have two of the three. That Are you, you for real? I have Archufis as my top 50 player. Mm-hmm. I think this dude is coming. Yeah, he is, that's a good pick. He is on the way. Then I have Draper and I have Diallo. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'll go first on the WTA side then. Top 50. The big pick that I'm going to regret not taking is Mira Andreva. Mm-hmm. Everybody, that felt, that everybody would pick that, make that choice. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go with, I'm going to cheat here. I'm going to go with either Leila Fernandez or Linda Noskova. All right. 51 to 100, 27 years old. She's ready. She's taking it. It's Taylor Townsend's time. Or... Clara Towson. That's my going back to the well pick there. <laughs> I've picked Clara quite a few times now. And then from outside the top 100, I'm going to go with Sarah Belek, who is one of the young Czech players, I believe 17 years old, watched her in qualifying sometime last year and was very impressed. I believe, I should know this, but I believe she's a lefty. <laughs> don't, you know, I don't know these things. And her and Layla are going to have to play a first round match. So mm-hmm. I I considered picking Sarah as well. Uh, but for my top 50, I picked Layla Fernandez. I think she's coming. 51 to 100, I picked Wang Shi Yu. Not to be confused with Wang Xin Yu. And for my over 100, Marina Stakusic, who was one of the heroines of Canada's Fed Cup win. Okay. Let's start with the WTA. Oh, for a change. (laughs) Let's go right off the bat and tell you what the quarterfinalists, who they'd be if all the seeds won out. Oh, okay. And that would be top half, Sviantek against Vandrosheva, Rybakina against Pegula, Sakari against Haddad Maya. That's a lie. Sakari... Sakari against Coco Goff and Ons Jabur against Sabalenka. It's very unlikely that that will happen. Iga, everybody knows, Iga got an interesting draw 
there is this in her little section in the first two rounds, just a lot of people who've had incredible success at the Australian Open, not necessarily people who are in the best form at this moment. Mm. And things to look out for with this draw, the women making comebacks right there. Potentially, if Angie Kerber beats Danielle Collins in the first round, she'd likely play Iga Sviantek in the second round. Those top four women at the very top of the draw, Sviantek against Kennan in the first round, Collins against Kerber in the first round. Three of those four women have made an Australian Open final, and it's not Iga Sviantek. <laughs> Kennan is the 2020 champ, also the 2020 Roland Garros runner-up. Ika starts against her. In the second round, she would play the winner of Collins and Kerber. Collins is the runner-up to Ash Barty in 2022. Not in the best form right now. No. Angelique Kerber, of course, is the 2016 champion, having defeated Serena Williams. The one to really look out for, to me, two women to look out for in this quarter, Elena Svitolina and Yelena Ostapenko. Definitely. Penko, who has beaten Iga, I believe, four times, who beat her at the U.S. Open, the most recent major. Somebody who just, Iga doesn't match up against her well. That doesn't mean that she cannot beat her here, but she's a really tough out. And Penko is in good form, having reached the Adelaide final this week, having won doubles last week in Brisbane. We also have the recently thawed Victoria Azarenko. Yes. Uh, who opens against Camila Georgi. Panko and Vika would have to play in the third round if both of them get there. Good luck to Marie Boskova, who has to open against Linda Noskova. Linda Noskova made the semifinals in Brisbane. If Iga gets through that, you know, that little troublesome section, Boskova or Noskova could be her third round opponent. Her fourth round opponent could be Svitolina or Kudermatova. Uh, based on form, Svitolina, I think, is the one who gets there. If you're looking for an upset, the one who comes in with the biggest question marks, your Wimbledon champion, Marketa Vondrosheva, who had to withdraw from Adelaide this past week. Yes, she is dealing with a hip injury. Uh, she's the seven seed on the other end of that quarter, a potential quarterfinal opponent for Iga Svantec. Vondrosheva has... Uh, she actually beat Ons Jabor at the Australian Open before. Uh, we just don't know what kind of form she's in. If she were healthy and in form, absolutely somebody you cannot bet against at this point. But all bets are off. We have Isla Tomjanovic returning, starting against Petra Martic. There's Clara Towson, of course, who is back close. I believe she's ranked 100 right now. But closing and, you know, getting back, hopefully, to better form after a ton of injuries... Ava Navarro, people are shocked that she's the 27th seed. People is you. Me. People I, is you. I was shocked. But fuck my drag because she made the semifinals of Auckland. She's currently in the final of Hobart. And she starts against a very difficult opponent. I think our conversation around that in this lead up to the Australian Open when you were shook that you were seeing her all the time. And I said to you, she's going to be a seed at the Australian Open. You're like, what? How? How is that possible? <laughs> like, yes, she's ranked like 32. And you're like, well, with a lot of help. <laughs> that was your response. <laughs> I've, I would, that was very nasty. To sidetrack and, and, and distract from your own negligence. 
Right. <laughs> I accused her of payola, basically. Uh, but she starts against Wang Shiyu, who recently made the semifinals in Auckland, who had a pretty big breakout last year. And whoever gets to that third round could face Vondrosova, could face Yastremska. And again, we don't know what kind of form Marketa is in. In the second quarter, that's headlined by Yelena Rybakina and Jessica Pagula. There's also Zhang Qinwen, there's Kasatkina, Jasmine Paolini, who's been playing great ball. And, of course, there's always the threat of, uh, oh. you know, people going on runs that you don't want to go on a run. Oh, why? Who, who's? Kirstea. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. We oh. also have Emma Raducanu coming back in this section. She opens against Shelby Rogers. Kasatkina opens against Peyton Stearns. That's a tough one. And the big first-round noisemaker here, Rybakina draws Plishkova. Plishkova, who we we discussed on the previous episode, has defrosted in time for the Australian Open tournaments. She's a three-time winner in Brisbane. She beat Naomi last week. This is not, it's not an easy first round by any means. Actually, it's rather difficult. Rybakina slated to play Kasatkina in the round of 16 and Zhongqing Wen against Pegula. So by seed... Rybakina and Pegula would play in the quarterfinals. That's one of the tougher ones. I, I think would say. this is tough. I think Jesse did not get a very favorable draw here. Of course, she's facing the 29 seed in the third round, but that's Zhu Lin. That's somebody who made the fourth round here last year. If Zhang Qingwen gets to the round of 16, that's tough for me to call between her and Peggy. So, semifinal from the top half would be Sviantek against Rybakina. I know a lot of people are talking about how difficult Iga's draw is, and it is. For a number one seed, it's uh, it's remarkable. But she is still, to me, well, maybe not the odds-on favorite. Probably, like, by betting odds, she's the favorite. But I do not discount her ability here in Australia. Nothing would surprise me at this point. If she got through this draw easily, that would not surprise me. I would not be surprised if Iga Svantec won this tournament. I, however, do not think that she is the biggest favorite for this title. Mm. I think that has to be Arena Sabalenka. Arena Sabalenka, who did not get a difficult draw by any means. All right, so let's talk about the bottom half, because things look quite different down here. Third quarter, bookended by Maria Sakari and Coco Goff. Maria Sakari, this joke is going around Twitter from Breakpoint. She lost in the third round last year to Zhu Lin after sort of making light of her coach's uh, warnings that this player is difficult. Right. I think she took exception to, well, I guess everybody is Serena Williams. The next Serena you know? yeah. <laughs> Which is, I can totally, I would definitely do that if I were Sakari, <laughs> right? You know? Just give me a break. Like, I'm Maria Sakkari. I'm a top player. I should be able to handle this. Like, stop scaring me. Right. Stop doing scarola. Sca- <laughs> uh, but when it's on a documentary series like this, well, and then you go on and to then lose, you lose, which if she had won, they would have never aired that. No. But you just put your foot in it and you set yourself up. I do think that Maria is due for... A good result, just because I, I'm tired of the poor woman being embarrassed. She could play third-round perennial, Elisa Martins, in the third round, 
Elisa is ranked number 25. She is absolutely killing it in doubles recently. She's in a final playing Emma Navarro in Hobart. There we go with this business of playing the week before yeah. a slam. How much time off and rest do you get? Taro Daniel is in the final of... He's in Auckland. Mm-hmm. As you said, Mertens is in Hobart, which is in Tasmania. Uh, Auckland is is farther away. Like, New Zealand's farther away from Melbourne. There's some travel involved. Right. So then you... Even if you get to play Tuesday... I mean, great. You won a tournament the week before. But for how many points and for how much money? Well, right. But you, as you've told me before, it does... The the level of player you are makes a big difference here. I criticize top players who do this. You know, I would probably question why Yelena Robakina is playing the week before. But someone like Martin, someone like Taro Daniel, why why not, right? Sure. I'm just saying now you're in a pickle as far as I'm concerned. It's, it's just a lot to ask of yourself, I think. Sure. And... But these players are used to this kind of turnaround. They're used to playing every day. The difference is that men are not used to playing best of five every week. By seed, this third quarter would be Sakari against Coco Goff. This is where Naomi Osaka is. Her first round match, she opens against 16 seed Caroline Garcia. This is actually very annoying to me. The fact that this was the draw. I mean, Naomi is unseeded. She could have picked anyone. She could have drawn Igish Fiontek in the first round, and she didn't. She draws Garcia, who is in slightly better form than she has been recently. She played well in United Cup. I think what this will boil down to is how well Naomi serves. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess how well both women serve. <laughs> yes. And if... Maybe it boils down to how well Garcia returns, actually. And if she is willing to make adjustments that historically she hasn't been willing to. This is where Leila Fernandez opens against... Sarah Bellick as well, like we said. Magda Lynette opens against Caroline Wozniacki. See what you get for for being a semifinalist last year. The reward you get is starting against Caroline Wozniacki and then potentially playing the number 10 seed Beatrice Haradmaya in the third round. Mm-hmm. Alina Korneva, I mentioned, uh, the junior champ from last year, starts against Sarah Sorribos-Tormo, which... Talk about a rude awakening into the WTA main tour. <laughs> if Naomi wins a few matches, she could play Coco Goff in the fourth round. That would be gangbusters. Yeah, and I think this entire quarter kind of hinges on how well Naomi is playing. If Naomi loses in the first round, then Coco Goff is heavily, heavily favored to make it through this quarter. Is Layla ready? I mean, Layla is somebody who, in the past, can ruffle feathers. She can take on big players and not be scared. In that last quarter, headlined by Onshaber and Arena Sabalenka. Now, I don't know how to say this without being rude. You're saying that it's a cakewalk for Arena. No, That's what you want to I, say. No, I was going to say that this, probably even ruder, this quarter kind of flops. Well... Okay, you know I love Ons. Their doubts, their doubts. Their doubts about her form. I don't know what her form is. Uh, She reached the quarterfinal in 2020. That was her best result in Australia. 
Last year, she lost in the second round to Vondrosova. The other kind of challengers here in this quarter, uh, Ekaterina Alexandrova recently beat Rybakina this past week. Amira Andreva could be waiting for Anjabur in the second round. She's somebody who, uh, I don't know if I'm ready to say, like, she'll make a breakout here. Um, it's coming. It's it is coming. It's definitely coming. I'm just not confident enough to say that it will happen here. She yeah. ha- has reached a round of 16 at Wimbledon. That's her best result at a major. But the conditions and the context, it's here. Like that's what it points to this second round match. (laughs) Ons has not played all year. We just learned that she's releasing this documentary, filmed privately, as in like it's her her own thing, right? And she tells us that if she had won that Wimbledon final, she'd have taken time off to start her family and then come back. And in the absence of realizing that dream, she has to put this other dream on hold. And just how devastating that was for her after Wimbledon. This is her first time back with us being privy to that knowledge. And she doesn't have any lead-up play. You know, it's who knows what to expect. And Mira has been out here playing matches. Barbara Krejcikova, the number nine seed, slated to play Alexandrova in the third round, potentially Jabour in the fourth, or that, you know, that could be Wang Xinyu, that could be Andreva. Krejcikova, um, I guess, I don't know, I feel like similar to Jabor, I really don't know what to, to expect from her in singles. Yeah, we, she's not been in very good form to start the year. Taylor Townsend opens against Paula Badosa, former world number two Paula Badosa. Both unseated. Donna Vekic starts versus Pavlyuchenkova. With the winner to play the winner of Taylor Townsend and Paula Badosa. Amanda Anisimova is back on tour. She will be starting against the number 13 seed, Samsonova. Sabalenka, her first test would be Brenda Fruvitova in the second round. Lacia Serenko is back as a seeded player at a slam. That flew under my radar. Overall, I I don't think this quarter poses a lot of threats to Arena. You could see her making the semis and the final here again. Uh, You have her as your favorite. Is that, am I correct? I'm not saying I'm going to pick her as the one to win, but I'm saying if you were to look objectively as who should be the betting favorite, if you do that kind of thing, I think it has to be her. Yeah. There are six former champions in this draw, including Sabalenka. Unfortunately, most of them are either coming back from a long layoff from the sport or just not in the form or even close to they were when they won. Besides Arena, it's got to be... Iga and Elena Rabakina as the favorites. And after that... Coco. Uh, Coco. The top four, like I said before, the top four is playing great. They look great. After that, it's a pretty big jump. Which is to say we'll probably get uh, Sarirani and <laughs> Petra Martic final. <laughs> Men's draw. Is there anybody who can beat Novak at this tournament? Simple question. It's been a long time since that's happened, so we don't know. Novak is looking for his 11th Australian Open title. That is not what I asked you. It was a simple uh, yes or no oh, answer. Is there? Well, hypothetically, sure, there are people who could beat him. Will they beat him? Stated differently. <laughs> do you think anybody will beat Novak Djokovic at this tournament? I do not. Okay. Personally, I do not. If there were to be a player to beat him, who would it be? Ugh, 
I know that everybody's going to say Yannick Sinner. Mm-hmm. I would say Carlos Alcaraz. Okay. Uh, we'll talk about this in a bit. We have very little data about Carlos Alcaraz at the Australian Open. Very little. He didn't play last year. The year before, he made the third round, and he just wasn't Carlos Alcaraz yet. What are the other factors that play into somebody's run at the Australian Open? The the conditions that yeah. they play their matches in. If somebody's going to be getting multiple four-set torrid scorching conditions during the day and somebody else goes on the night schedule routine right which is what novak's starting off on this happened with federer as well novak is going to play night sessions it's not going to be as hot i i really haven't looked what the weather is going to be like over the next they claim it's not going to be as bad as in previous years that's good so there'll be no wet bulbing that's great (laughs) but novak's you know the early parts of his draw are not super challenging he could face uh, Ben Shelton in the round of 16, but he handled them quite well at the U.S. Open. I always say, heading into these tournaments, the biggest, well, heading into the Australian Open, specifically the Australian Open, pay attention to the Australians. Okay. Because they're the ones who really have the chutzpah and the the backing to create okay. real upsets. Like a one-and-done kind of thing. Right. Not create an upset and go on to make round two well, you catch them at a night session when the crowd is really pumping them up and they go on a blitz. They get into a purple patch, they find <laughs> a purple patch, and you're all of a sudden two sets to one down. Mm. And then Bob's your uncle, anything can happen. And to that end, Novak against Popperin in the second round. Maybe. Maybe. No, I personally am not seeing it. No, I'm not uh, saying that. <laughs> I'm not saying that Alexei will win. I'm mm-hmm. saying it could be a stiffer test than you would think. Okay. Gao Monfils is in that section, uh, starts versus Yannick Hanfman, the winner to play the winner of Andy Murray and Tomas Echeverry. Which Murray will indubitably win in five sets and five hours. <laughs> and then by the time he potentially gets to round three against Novak, it's... Right. Uh, number 20, Adrian Manorino, his top 20 debut recently. But he also hasn't had a tremendous start to the season, going, what, 1-3 and three in United Cup with one win over Sonego, losing to right. that guy, Kasparud, and Urkac. I mean, he did play, like, all top 15 players, except he for Sonego. Too, he's a top 20 player now. He is. Those, he's are, a, those are his peers. A three-time titleist last year. He starts against Stan Wawrinka. former champion here, of course, in 2014. 38-year-old Stan Wawrinka. 10 years on from just oh, wow. destroying me that night. Yes. I was so mad. Oof. That was a, one of the hardest ones. Manorino and Shelton are seated to play each other in the third round. Moving further down, Taylor Fritz is the number 12 seed. Stefano Tsitsipas is the number 7 seed, bookending that next 8th of the draw. Stefanos opens against Berrettini. Berrettini ranked outside the top 100 due to injury. Bob's your uncle there. Tsitsipas, the defending finalist. What is what is this Bob's your uncle? It just happened today. I, can, I can't explain it. Jordan Thompson, exactly the type of Australian tennis player to cause people problems. Yes. Stefanos, look out in round 2. Muzzetti... Mm. Round three against Tsitsipas, maybe. I would say that this is 
a nice little section for Taylor Fritz to get to the quarterfinals, but it's Taylor Fritz. Wow. There's no, also th- there's I also Marin Cilic. Marin Cilic, who recently came back, did not win against Struff, but did have like 10 match points. Didn't win any of those, unfortunately. I think it's pretty clear what will happen here. Taylor Fritz will make the quarterfinal and lose in about 97 minutes. Do you think that Fritz will make the quarterfinal over Tsitsipas? Yeah. Okay. All right. So there you have it. Novak Djokovic defeating Taylor Fritz (laughs) in 90 minutes to make the semifinals. Tsitsipas is, of course, the runner-up from last year. Uh, I I do know that. I said that. I'm not... You know, yeah. I'm not naive to that. Okay. Second quarter, Yannick Sinner and Andrei Rublev. You said that Sinner is probably the one that folks would peg to challenge Djokovic most. I think it's Rublev at this tournament. Rublev? No, lies. You didn't say Wait. Sinner. You said Alcaraz. You said most people would think Sinner, but okay. you think it's Alcaraz. No, most people are going to say Sinner yeah. is and you is say, the challenge. You say Alcaraz. I say Rublev at this tournament. That surprises me. Yeah, well, I think he is due. Okay. Two-time quarterfinalist here. Sinner made the quarterfinals two years ago. He obviously is in some of the best form of anyone on tour. This is best of five. This is different. He's had success at majors, but he has not made a major final. Mm-hmm. Like, has not even sniffed one. So Sinner would play Rublev by seed in the quarterfinals. Elsewhere, we have, in a first-round matchup... Francis Tiafo against Borna Chorch. And now, you know, we wish Francis nothing but the best, but the form is just not encouraging at all. Um, first of all, why is Borna Chorch unseated? That's what is pissing me off right now. That's what facilitated this first round match. Mm, do you want the actual answer? I want the answer is that he had won Cincinnati and those points came off. Mm-hmm. Is that the answer? <laughs> also, he has not played since the U.S. Open. That's mm-hmm. another reason. Somebody you could reasonably see making a breakout from this quarter is Alex Duminar. Recently top 10. Again, Australian with the huge home support. Previously, he made the fourth round in the last two Australian Opens. And he's also made the fourth round at Wimbledon and the quarters at the U.S. Open in 2020. This is your top 10 player now. This is the time to make that next step. And, of course, a recent win against Novak Djokovic Mm -hmm. at United Cup. This also presupposes that we take Novak at his word, that (laughs) there is no injury situation with the wrist. Right. It's a tough, that is a tough round of 16 matchup for Andrei Rublev, because Dumanoir is in really good form. I don't see Francis getting through to week two. What, What about round two? That would be a bonus for me. <laughs> it's just tough. It's just tough. We also have Chris Eubanks here, who would be Andre Rublev's second round opponent. He has not had much match play. Came to Australia the, to play the week before the Australian Open starts. Lost his first round. And so, he will start against Taro Daniel, who's playing a final right now mm-hmm. in Hobart. Perhaps that's to Chris's advantage. Perhaps. We actually didn't mention who Andre Rublev will be playing in his first round. Mm-hmm. So Andre has already said that Zverev is his best friend. He will be playing, uh, this is totally unrelated for legal reasons, abuser and self-proclaimed descendant of Nazis, 
Tiago Zaibos Virge. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's that. It's Sinner against Rublev. That's what the the big takeaway is from this section. I think with a caveat of Dumanar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bottom half on the men's draw. I find this draw fairly balanced. I know that that people who feel that Sinner is the number one challenger will probably find the draw imbalanced. And of course, you all, you have last year's runner-up uh, in Novak's quarter. But I think we've you know we've got Runa, Medvedev, Alcaraz in this half. Dimitrov as somebody who has been surging. I I like this draw. Like I feel like it's it's fairly interesting. As in the third quarter specifically, or the no? Entire I mean the half? no, the entire draw. I I actually like how it's set up. The mostly. entire men's draw. Yeah. Okay. I mean, when you were filling it out, you're like, God, this is so boring. Well. <laughs> It is boring because there's so, in my opinion, I'm sure diehard ATP fans would disagree, but in my opinion, there's just so much less intrigue early on compared to the WTA. Absolutely. I mean, the WTA first round matches, they're legendary. (laughs) Have we ever seen something like this before? (laughs) Holger opens against Nishioka. Archer Fies opens against Vesely. Ugo Umber plays qualifier David Goffin. Denis Shapovalov opens against Jakub Mensik. This is the first we're really seeing of Shapo. Yeah, Denis took about a six-month break from the tour after Wimbledon, dealing with injuries. And I'm just, honestly, you know, I've given him a little grief, but I'm looking forward to seeing him back on tour. I mean, until you actually start watching his matches, and then it becomes insufferable (laughs) again. No, no. The whining, the no, complaining. Now, honestly, now that Rafa is not here and there's no uh, risk of him playing Rafa, I can just sit back and enjoy the, I don't know, what's the word? Whatever Dennis brings. Hmm. It's He is the OG Holger when it that's comes to... That's what I was thinking. That's what yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I can't deal with that on a tennis court. <laughs> and on top of that, nobody gives himbo like Dennis. Nobody. Oh, I know. But now Dennis is a woke himbo. He is... Well, he he knows a woman who does not get paid as well as other women. Mm -hmm. And, you know, however you get there, he came to the right conclusion, and however you get there is is whatever. Grigor opens against Fuchovic. There'll be a lot to look at in that match. (laughs) I don't know if it'll be the tennis, but there'll be a lot to look at Mm. in that match. If... If Martin shows up in the kit I saw him practicing in, you may need blinders. What? Is There's it, a lot like going Dayglo? on. A lot going on. You mentioned Australians who can get up for a crowd. Danasi Kokanakis starts against Offner, but could be Dimitrov's second-round opponent. I wonder who will be calling that match. <laughs> My breakout pick um, for 2024... Alejandro Davidovich Fokina is the number 23 seed. Your breakout pick for the 2020s. <laughs> the entire decade. Opens against Constant Lestien. Um, okay, he could play Dimitrov in the third round, Dimitrov Medvedev in the fourth round. And should Dimitrov get through that, it would be a rematch of Grigor's win in Brisbane. Potentially yes. against Holger we in could, the quarterfinals. I mean, it is a big ask, right? Getting past Medvedev, uh, a former runner-up here. 
Don't look past Archer Feast. That's what I'm telling you. And of course, we I don't think we've even mentioned Horkoch, who acquitted himself very well at United Cup. Damn near won it with Iga. He would be Runa's round of 16 opponent. Hmm. That is if Runa potentially gets by Feast in the third round. By seed. Wow, you are a Feast truther. I mean, Greek, last year, Greekspor won a lead-up tournament in January. Lovely. Great gowns. Beautiful gowns. <laughs> by seed, Runa against Medvedev in the quarterfinals. In the last quarter, that's where that guy is hibernating. That's where his lair is. And of note, I mean, when I see his, his name, I look for where can we beat him. And I'm <laughs> looking at Lehechko in the third round. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I'm looking at Casper in the fourth round. Mm-hmm. Only because Casper started the year really well, which is unusual for him on hard courts. Right. He won three matches at United Cup. Uh, you mentioned Lahechka is currently in the final of Adelaide. Let me just drop in a mention for Kwon Soon Woo, who actually won Adelaide 2 last year. I know, you know, we're grasping here, but that could be his second round opponent. Ozzy to cause a ruckus, Max Purcell in the second round against Casper Root. Look out for that. Tommy Paul, if he and Jack Draper win their first round matches, like we said, they would have a rematch in the second round from just a couple days ago where Draper handled Tommy so easily in the first round and then closed him out in a tighter second set. That said, Jack Draper opens against Marcos Giron in the first round. Struff against Rinki Hichikata, another Australian there, Hichikata. Struff is also coming back from injury. Sasha Bublik opens against Sumit Nagal, who won three matches in qualifying. Good for him getting back to this stage. He played one of the big four at the Australian Open. Yes. And it was a big thing. I feel like it was Federer. I f- yeah, I think it was Federer. Good to see him back. And then Carlos Alcaraz opens against a first in tennis, a currently retired tennis player, Richard Gasquet. <laughs> okay, guys, go to Richie's Twitter. And the most recent tweet that has still not been deleted, is an announcement of his retirement. A retirement to go then peddle some Bitcoin or something. Yes. Egg. Dollar sign E-G-G. And I don't know if this is like a French joke that I don't get, but it still remains Richard's most recent tweet on his official twitter page that has 123,000 followers yeah i don't know i'm so confused but he is not he's not retired he is playing carlos in the first round i think jack draper given good health and sustained good health could do a lot of damage this season he has a big game i know uh, you know we've done everything to avoid this but Azverev Alcaraz quarterfinal is possible and perhaps even likely, but no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Well, Coco Vandeweghe picks Zverev as the favorite for this title. And so. th- there we go with a kiss of get- death. So thank you. Thank you, Colleen. By seed, this is a Medvedev Alcaraz semifinal. And uh, we shall see. We shall see. I'm not confident in Carlos's chances here given what we saw of him after 
Wimbledon last yeah. year. Yeah, I get it. I get it. You've advertised this Racket Bracket, which is hosted on the tennis, what is it called? The Tennis Live app? T-N-N-S. Yes. So you can find us under Leagues, and we're called The Body Search. Well, first, you have to download the T-N-N-S app, and then when you open it, there'll be on the bottom right, I believe, it'll say Fantasy. You click on Fantasy, and then you'll join one of the leagues, and that'll be ours. And it'll say The Body Serve Tennis Podcast... We have like 400 plus players signed up for it at the moment. Are you serious? Yeah. Am I, I'm not even one of them yet. No, not. I mean, you've played it before, so you oh, are part okay. of the league. It's ongoing. So we are, yeah, we're there. 433 members right now. And so provided you fill out your brackets before start of play tomorrow, which is less than 24 hours. Sorry, guys, <laughs> that we haven't given you enough time to prepare we still have to do it. Yeah. You'll then compete against everybody else in the league and we'll see what happens. I just hope to be in the top 75 percentile. Wow, that's a big ask. You know, I'm just, at this point, I just hope not to be last. We have to edit this episode, get it out in time for people to actually listen to it, and also for us to watch some traitors tonight because we're being double traitored. At the moment, uh, you thought I was going to say something else. I was really else. worried what was going to follow double. Um, <laughs> yes. How does one keep track of Traders UK and Traders US at the same time? I cannot even remember what happened in an episode I watched yesterday. Anyway, but tonight is also Drag Race, uh, the second part of the premiere. So, uh, Oh, you know I'm not watching that tonight. Ex- uh, pardon? I'm just not. Oh. I'm sorry. Okay, you know, we're going to stop here because we have something to discuss. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. We are so pumped about the start of the Australian Open, and I'm not even being facetious. I'm really excited to start watching late night tennis. I will test that theory we once have, we get off air. No, we have now we have an annual uh, kind of slumber party slash meetup with a friend of ours who loves tennis and for three years in a row now has come over to watch like super late night Australian tennis that I really look forward to. Mm. If you enjoy the body serve, consider throwing us a few coins to help us get to our fully funded goal with our GoFundMe. You can find the link to that at linktree.com slash the body serve. We've been trying not to tweet too much about it. It's a fine line, right? Yeah. Cause you it feel like feels, uh, it's, it's super cringe. It still feels cute. It's, it's super cringe. And you also don't want to barrage people's timelines. So I hope we've struck a nice enough balance with that to where we're not bombarding people's timelines. Twitter's already a big enough mess as it is already. <laughs> My name is Jonathan. You can find me on Twitter at tennis underscore John. I'm James at Elliot JMR. All things BodyServe related. Linktree.com slash the BodyServe. Happy tennis watching. Happy AO. It's the happy slam. Will it remain thus? How long before it falls to pieces? This is where you cue Patsy Klein. Patsy Klein song, I got it. And then we... Anyway. Thank you very much. And thanks for listening. Till next time. Thank you. Thank you very much.